Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. It is up to us as leaders to be able to believe who we are in Christ, to be able to know that what I am telling is real, and I'm not, I'm not wearing a, an idealized mask. That is the most profound gift to someone in, the, in the, our audience, in our community. It starts to shape a community to where innately you experience palpably when you walk into such a community, safety. There's no performance code here. I'm free to be the real me. Welcome back to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast brought to you by smallgroups.com. This podcast is designed to help church leaders think about what it looks like to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and I'm joined today by Kelsey Baus, our producer. Kelsey, what is going on? Yeah, doing well. You know, recording podcasts is my Monday motivation since we've been doing this on Mondays for the last few weeks. Yeah, we do. We end up doing this a lot on Mondays. We recorded a, a solid one today. I really enjoyed the conversation with John Lynch. I I just felt like he was easy to talk with. Great guy, good story, uh, really experienced. Kelsey, you were listening the whole time. I'm wondering, you know, did you have any takeaways? Yeah, definitely. I think it's an important message about taking off our masks. I guess it reminded me of Henry Nowen. Oh, yeah, it's good. His message is about belovedness, that we are all beloved sons and daughters of Christ. Yeah, he's so good. He actually has a book titled, and he's got so many great books. But I, there's a book I love, always loved called Life of the Beloved, even. And it's a short, short, small book, but it gets after a lot of what, uh, what John is talking about, our need to discover ourselves as one of Christ's beloved that we are loved, that no matter what we do in life or what happens to us, there is a God who loves us. Yeah, anything else strike you as he was talking? Yeah, the one other thing was how he said, like, other people are waiting for you to be your authentic self and take off your mask. And it's like, it's not just for us to do that. Like, it's not just for our own good. It's for the good of yeah. others and the good of the church, like, other people need that too. What struck you? You know, for me, you know, I've been a pastor, I've been speaking, I've been a professor, you know, there's, I think there's this thing that can happen for anybody who ever gets up in front of a group of people to speak or to lead worship. There's a, a way we can sometimes present ourselves or position ourselves so that it, it, we're posturing almost, or we are, uh, we're not being our true authentic self. And my wife, mm. God bless her, she's always really keen on these things. And she's always told me kind of what John says in this, the world wants you, Oliver. They want yourself. They don't want the pretender, the fake, mm. the masquerade, the facade. They want you. And that is enough. And that is enough. Mm. And so I, I really connect with that. And that's been something I've always had to think through and, and remember 
um, as I get up to teach or to speak in any sort of setting. Yeah, yeah. it's good she's reminding you of those truths. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. My, 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 my tightest small group is, uh, is my most dangerous one. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like when you join a new church, it kind of comes up again. I was just talking to Justin about that this weekend. Sometimes I feel like, you know, you go to a church service and, you know, there's all these people with families and it kind of feels like if you don't know them that well, it's like, oh, everyone else is fine. Yeah. And they have their, you know, ducks in a row, although I'm sure they don't. But sometimes it feels that way before you really know someone, you yeah. know, very well. So it's like, how do you know when you can really be yourself? I guess you just have to go out on a limb. Yeah. You know, you asked me what one of my top highlights was from this episode. In the middle of the of the session, um, I think John starts talking about the different masks we can all wear and, you know, the masks that you can encounter when you go into a new mm. church like that. And I just, I really was struck by the different types of masks. And I resonated with each one of them in a way. I was like, yep, I can remember when I, when that's been an issue or that's been an issue or I still struggle with this sometimes. But to be aware of some of the ways we can posture or put a mask on is helpful. So it's a longer episode, my friends. I hope you'll stay with this one. It's so good, very informative, very helpful. Uh, lots of wisdom that John Lynch offers us. So here's the episode. We hope you enjoy it and God bless. Welcome back to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and today's guest on the podcast is a man who's got a pretty remarkable story of God's grace that has been at work in his life. You may know him as one of the authors of a book that is known as The Cure, or On My Worst Day is a book he's recently actually updated and added to. He's married, he's been blessed with children. In fact, his own son is pastoring the church that he pastored, Open Door Fellowship. And he has multiple grandchildren now, and some of you have probably heard him even preach. He's a very well-known speaker. Uh, John Lynch, we are so glad to have you on the podcast with us today, and we're going to talk about when the mask comes off. How are you, John? Oliver, great. Thank you, man. I, I really am. This is one of those rare times where I can say I, I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's good to, yeah, it's good to be well as life goes on. We were just talking earlier before we started recording, you know, as you get older in life, it's good to, it's good to feel well in those later stages. That's right. So glad that you're on today and just a treat. I've been able to read your book on my worst day. It was just recently republished, I guess, yeah. right? You guys republished it in 2020. Yeah. And it's got a whole, almost a decade worth of material that you've added to it. I read through the whole thing. I had not read it prior to, the, to seeing it in this version. And you write with such vivid detail. I mean, you're a storyteller. I really appreciated following your narrative of your life. And you really hold nothing back about the darkness, the difficulties, the sin, whatever, the things you've struggled with in the rugged valleys of life. And you really allow us to see your authentic and vulnerable self. Maybe you could tell us just for a minute, what was the hardest part about telling this whole story? Wow. Thank you for reading it in such a short time. That's that you got barraged with my life. <laughs> I was easy to read. <laughs> I think for me in writing this, the biggest challenge is for me to continue standing and trusting who Jesus says I am because I'm writing hard stuff, hard realities about me. 
It's a gift that we can give to others when we model and articulate and uh, give permission to be vulnerable and authentic. But here's the catch. You can feel sometimes like you're the only one who struggles with such things because sometimes you're around a community of masks and everyone looks good and and here's your laundry all out there. So that was the challenge for me and continues to be the challenge for me to stay true to saying Jesus has me exactly where I am right now and he makes no mistakes. He's not playing me. I'm not behind. He adores me. So both those things going on at once that I can be a mess and that I am absolutely brand new and not defined by my shame. That's where I stand. And as, as you're saying that, I just think to myself, yeah, it can be challenging to be vulnerable and honest. And, and you give us such a nice model. I think that's one of the things you just said. You give us this nice template of what it can look like. And I think you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I, I really have appreciated. It was refreshing. It was refreshing for me. And, and in a lot of ways, I can relate to your own journey with multiple things along the way. And so it's refreshingly relatable. And I, I really appreciated you taking the time. What made you want to add a whole section, you know, the continued section, the whole updated section? For those of us maybe who've read it already but haven't read this next section, what, what inspired you to add to it? Well, it was during the pandemic and I, all my events had been canceled. You know, like I, by February, I had 26 events. I was it. I started out on the cruise with Mercy Me. This was going to be like the year of years. And then it dwindled down to three events. I think I, you know, a couple of local events that were outside, but mostly canceled. So it gave me the permission. Someone said, you've got to continue on my worst day and just make it present tense. So I wove in some other pieces to the front, uh, took out a few that weren't as relevant anymore. So that that was just a blast. This book, as you, as you read it, I think has a number of things. It has the voice of Jesus. My attempt at imagining what Jesus would be saying, not only now, like, like uh, I, I always say, like, a parent speaking to a child who can perhaps only feel impressions of someone calling out, like a, a baby. And so I know Jesus has been speaking to me. He can't help it. He adores me so much. So the other thing was to repaint those scenes that my bad theology taught me to hear, like the voice that wasn't Jesus. So I love getting a chance to uh, rewrite that and then have us all enter into that. Yeah. It's very invitational and you invite us into your, your realm and you do it. One of the things you just, you just said is, is you bring in these components of prayer that you're praying and right. then you're also bringing in this perspective yes. of Jesus. And if you haven't read this book out there, it's, it's a real, as I was reading it, I found it really interesting, and I began asking myself the question, what might Jesus be saying yeah. about me or the things I'm experiencing? And so talk a little bit about where that inspiration came to write that way. And you kept it in the book, so you obviously felt like it was important. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, hugely important, because I think a lot of us have a voice, I know I did early on, this voice of almost condemnation of, 
Yeah, yeah, well, funny boy, I'll tell you what, that was nice. You really had them today. You know who didn't buy it? Me. And you know who's going to expose you? Me. And I felt that way as a Christian, <laughs> as, a, as a preacher. I'm preaching for two, three years with that voice in my head. And, and how do you preach the voice of Christ and the love of Christ and, and the gospel with that rolling around? And I know that many of my friends still carry that voice of condemnation. So I thought, how powerful a gift it would be to imagine the voice of Jesus who does not condemn, who stands in the center of everything I go through, who actually delights in me on my worst day. I wanted to give voice to that and, and imagine what it would sound like, even a sense of humor and playfulness in him. That you you include, yeah, there's moments where Jesus is kind of like saying, you dummy, like, <laughs> but I knew, but I knew you were going to do that, you dummy, like. Yeah, 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 and, go, and hey, it, you didn't think I saw that? I've seen yeah, this coming. Yeah, It's so good. And, and in a way, you know, obviously we get to know Jesus so well through the scriptures. And it's clear to me, as you write, John, that you've walked with Jesus for a long time. And you know, you know, you hear inside the internal voice of Jesus. Because yep. as I'm reading it, it's like, yeah, like this is how Jesus is thinking. <laughs> this is Amen. if I'm writing this about John, this is this is pretty good, and oh, uh, good. it reflects somebody who's got a deep relationship with the Lord. So I just want to encourage you in that. I just I sense that. <laughs> Do you think it would be valuable for people in their life to take time to think about the things Jesus might be saying about what they're doing? Yeah, I'd love them to read these words and say, is that how I hear Jesus? It is, it is a true gift. You know, I, I, I think about the scripture backing the way I choose to see him. And I, I, I think of Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, when he says, it's the only verse that describes the nature of his heart, the intent of his heart. He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. So I know I've got that truth. I'm, I'm not condemning and judging in heart. Towards you, he says, I'm gentle animal. Then John 15, 9, where he says, to the actual extent that my father loves me, Jesus says, so I love you. To the actual extent that my father loves me, which I'm thinking is some significant love. And then Galatians 2, 20, I'm a, I'm a brand new creature. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 8.1, therefore now there's just zero on your worst day. Zero, I won't even allow it from you. No condemnation. So, so good. That allowed me, that has allowed me, that in hundreds more verses, a, yeah. a be able to fashion a, a true picture, not the exact words, but I, what I would imagine Jesus would say to me. Well, and just to go back, I mean, I... Even in my my journey, I can relate so much to what you just said, John, earlier about the fact that we have this voice of condemnation surfacing in our head a lot. And, right. you know, the message you just gave wasn't good enough. The number of people in your church isn't good enough. Your small group doesn't have enough people. And the list that we can have in our minds goes on and on. You're not as good as a Christian as, as that person. And so your process here of journaling and writing this way, I think is a real helpful model even for any ministry leader out there listening right now. If you're taking notes or thinking about this, I'd highly encourage you to even pick this book up, take a look at it, 
and give some thought to maybe how it might be a healthy exercise for you to meditate a little bit and write perhaps some of the things that God might see about you and your ministry. And you'll find that it nips in the bud, this voice of condemnation, I think that can surface. Would you agree with that, John? Oh, absolutely. The further we go in ministry, the more authority we're given, the more influence we're given, the more the temptation is for us to say, I got to keep cranking and I'm not doing this as well as this person. And, and so it eventually starts causing you to hide. And if I don't see Jesus, I just see, I hear Jesus saying, come on, what are you doing? You're, you're falling behind. Hey, 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 hey. But he, ne- he never does that. There's never a time when Jesus does that. He only yeah. woos my new heart and, and delights in me and counts on that new heart without a shame identity to do the work. And, and so I, it, it's so fun when I realize every single day, Jesus is my biggest fan, and he's also working on my behalf. And, and to be able to identify, anytime I hear that voice that says, hey, why can't you? Why won't you? When will you? How come? Hey, what, what's, what's the deal? I know it's not Jesus. And that is a powerful, powerful gift for us. What a lesson. That's so important what you just said. Those are the types of phrases that crop up. We know those aren't the voice of Jesus. And what happens is when we have that internal thinking going on, or at least I wonder if this is what happens. We have this internal thinking going on exactly as you just said, and we want to run from it or hide from it or put the tough guy shirt on or the tough girl shirt on oh, or the mask. And and we have all of these facades that we walk around with, you know, and, I, and you give us permission to not have that on. I, I really resonated with your story, John, in so many ways. I get the roads that you walked on and I understand the struggles that you had. And one of the things that I, I learned, you know, if I'm going to grow the way that God wants me to grow, yeah. then I have to take off those tough guy shirts or the masks that I wear that are covering my shame and insecurity. So I'm wondering uh, if you could just talk to us a little bit about why it's so important to remove the masks that we wear that are covering these insecurities and shame. What happens if I don't? Oliver, thank you. Uh, what a, uh, and by the way, I want to say, I feel like I was a chameleon, like a kabuki theater actor, and I can still feel that way. I don't want to ever give the lie that we get past this sometime. This, there's, that propensity is still there, but I'm learning. And so, so I want to talk about masks. I love that you said that. They are most dangerous because they cause me to hide from my world. And hiding makes me sick. And I don't get loved. And no one gets my best. And I model and transfer to those I influence hiding as their MO. Like my kids just innately go, oh, so that's... That's the deal here. We kind of pretend and hide. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I got it. And so I think of love. Uh, Love is a process of meeting needs, period. Anything else is hallmark sentimentality. Love is a process. You never hear Jesus in Scripture talking about love without it meeting a need. For God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah. And and. What God does, he created us with limitations so that I would get loved. Mm. 
Isn't that beautiful? It's so sacred. It, it, at first you go, why would he do that? Because I want you to be able to receive someone else's love. And so, so here's what happens to us sometimes. Those very limitations that would allow me to say, would you stand with me and protect me? And so I would receive your love. Because I can't receive your love any other way except for you meeting a need in my life. Mm. But we sometimes in the church, we bluff like we don't have needs. Yeah. And the body of Christ, we go, hey, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah, doing fine. Everybody's fine, good. fine, fine. fine. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. And so I may get respected. I may get admired, but I don't get loved. Yeah. And, and maybe the worst part is when I wear a mask, only my mask gets loved. And that that's heartbreaking. Wow. Yeah. So it's like when you get up on stage and you you present a message or you present yourself as having it all put together and, and in a way when you do that, you're wearing a mask. I would even wonder, John, what you would say, is it possible to preach a message without the mask on to be vulnerable and authentic? Is that something that you have experienced? Yes. I I stumbled it's this chameleon. This kabuki actor stumbled into a community of grace, an environment that maybe didn't know the language, but they were practicing that. And what a gift to me, because it allowed me to start believing that I could tell the truth about me, that I didn't have to idealize my person, because the audience can tell. They can tell by your example, if, if, you, if all you ever talk about is, oh, sometimes I have bad thoughts when I'm in traffic, well, then the audience realizes, oh, I see, so I won't be able to talk about this area ever in my life. So why don't people, why is it so hard, John, in your own experience, why can it be so hard to remove these masks? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, our community is applauded. It, it, it's there. That's what they're used to. That is what we've been taught we should do. It, it's crazy when someone comes along and breaks that code. It, so it's it feels like wait, this is what has been modeled to me, and we are a generation who have the permission now to break that lemming-like going over the cliff within authenticity. But it's it's hard. Until I see someplace, honestly, the, the, my community that I was pastor of for 35 years, I stumbled into that as a non-believer. And mm -hmm. it was the first place I went, hey, wait, wait, you guys are not play acting. You kind of mean this. And it was one of those beautiful things that drew me to Christ. And then later I went to seminary. I came back and got to pastor and be the preacher in that community for 35 years. And now my son. So it's, it's so cool. That's one of the real problems until I have a community that says, it's okay, John, we know yeah. we're not afraid. We're not afraid of what you would, what would happen if you were vulnerable. Also, I have to live dependent upon who Jesus says I am, if I'm to take yeah. off the mask. And that's, sometimes I don't want to do that. Let's talk about that for a minute. I'm just talk about Jesus. Let, let's on the discipleship podcast. Let's talk about Jesus for a minute. That'd be, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> be a nice bet. Jesus meets people in the Gospels, right? We watch this God man walking and meeting people in the Gospels, and he meets people who are wearing masks, right? I mean, he's got 
the, some of his disciples that are putting on different masks at different times and Peter or James want to be the greatest. And you have the tax collector, you have the woman. How does Jesus meet them and invite them to take their mask off? What can we learn from this? This is a question just off the cuff here. I'm thinking about yeah. how did Jesus go about taking, helping people take their masks off? What did Jesus do to help people get to the heart of the issue? Can we learn anything from some of the patterns that existed maybe in Jesus' ministry? Absolutely. But you see, the one group of people that Jesus had the hardest time with, and that was the Pharisees, because they were wearing the greatest mask and were yeah. passing that on to a community. But when he's with Levi, the tax gatherer, I mean, the one who doesn't get into the temple, he is excluded. And he's got a group of, around him who are the reprobates and the misfits of culture. And he says, hey, can I come to dinner? Can I hang out with you guys? And they go, what? No, really? You want to be with us? And they're all probably play acting when, when he shows up. And he just never condemns them for anything. He just offers himself in such a beautiful way. And they they are stunned. In fact, Levi says, um, okay, I'm in. And and you know the group around him did. As, I, as you tell that story, all of a sudden, I immediately think of some other times that Jesus is in the homes of other people. I wonder if Jesus is asking to be invited to every one of our homes. And if for whatever reason, yes. you know, the, we're Pharisees, we just have this like hardened attitude or this, we, how many of us sit here and we say, we, you know, we actually don't need you, Jesus, because we've cleaned up our act or we don't want to clean up our act or we don't want you to see what's going on in here. Uh, for whatever reason, Jesus is constantly saying, I knock on the door. I really am trying to get into everyone's home. Would you let me in? And Levi's like, you know what I got to lose? I yeah. got, I, I just come on in. <laughs> Isn't it so good? That's so good what you just said is I have to be one of those people who doesn't believe he has it all together. He, he says, yeah. I don't, I come for the sick. I come for those who know they're sick. And so it's a beautiful thing in my prayers to not play act. I, I did it right before this podcast. I said, I prayed and just said, Jesus, would you allow me to be me? And would you allow me to tell the truth about me and tell the truth about how I see you? Mm -hmm. And would you give me that great permission? And so it, he loves that. He just loves that. And, and I think he steps into that. So into our homes, he wants to come and say, Hey, kids, it's okay. I'm crazy about you, even in the middle of your mess. I want you to be able to find those who can stand with you in it. He's such a different Jesus than I thought he was. He yeah. is such a more beautiful gentleman than I thought he was early on. He wants to know us and know our mess. And and uh, and I think I think a lot of us maybe listening to this podcast probably know this. They know that they shouldn't, they don't need to wear a mask. The problem is, is that we all, including myself and you, we all end up putting a mask on. It, it, it's like laying next to us and it's so hard. And I think what you just said about, you know, I, I mean, I prayed before I got on this podcast. I wanted to be authentic, be myself. I mean, I get that. And I just think how many, you know, right there is probably how we find the masks that we wear and say, they're not going on today. I'm just going to be me. I know that if this person doesn't love me, that's okay. I don't need this person to love me. Jesus loves me, period. 
And for anybody who gets up to speak in front of groups of people who loves the applause, loves the affirmation, it's all great when people tell you you did a good job. That's always a good feeling, right? But at the end of the day, we shouldn't be concerned about that. And if no one cares and they boo you off the stage, at the end of the day, we go home knowing I got one's enough and it's Jesus. And that's the heart of the matter. And that's the beauty. Absolutely. And I have to be convinced of two two more things. That is so good. Uh, Secondly, I have to be convinced who I am that I'm not a safe sinner who still sometimes fails. And mm-hmm. that my motive, even though I'm fully holy, fully righteous, Ephesians 4, my motivation is pure about 46% of the time. <laughs> That's a, such a specific percentage. <laughs> uh, it, it's up from 33. It was 33, <laughs> and, and I feel like I, I'm doing very That's well. Pretty good. That's pretty good. And then I not only have to know that Christ lives in me, that I'm fused with Jesus Christ. I'm not this loser. I can't any longer call myself a loser. I am fused, literally. I can't tell where he starts up and I leave off. So that that's my safety net, is to be yeah. able to say, he, he knows, he's seen it all, He's and, and he is every single moment transforming me, maturing me, healing me, even when I'm sleeping, even when I don't feel I'm worthy of it. And then one more thing, I have to have people who know me, who know everything about me, who are my biggest fans, who can say to me afterwards, thank you, John. That didn't go well today. <laughs> that was a goose egg, John. That, that, yeah, that was, that was not your best. You may want to hide that away and bring it back yeah. later. But yeah. they love me. What, I, I make this statement. All of us are awakening to the pain of realizing I can't control my world the way I thought I could, stuck with unresolved issues whose symptoms I'm trying to fix all without the help of anyone else. Yeah, I have unresolved issues, and I'm just trying to solve symptoms so I don't embarrass myself. And then the answer, what if there was a place in my marriage, in my family, in my community, in my workplace, so safe? that the worst of me could be known. Mm. And I would discover that I would be loved more, not less in the telling of it. And so everybody listening, I really hope they're resonating with that because that's what church should be. That's what small groups should be. Places where we worship the Lord and we are able to be in his presence, raw, broken, honest, authentic, messed up, being repaired and transformed. So John, somebody out there listening right now, who knows? I don't know. Maybe somebody out there listening has got this thing in their life. They're full of shame about it. And they have just been living with it for decades. It is affecting their ministry. It is affecting their marriage. It is affecting their relationships with their friends, their siblings, maybe their children, whatever it might be. They are dealing with something and maybe ignore it most of the time, but it's still there and it crops up. They're thinking about it right now. What would you say to them to encourage them um, to do next? It, well, it's so good. Um, first of all, for some of us, it's not that big sin. It's just a habit. It's just a way we've learned to live, and we don't know how to live any other way. And we don't know how to come home. And maybe we're waking up to the fact that I've got one life to live, and I'm influencing people around me to be play actors. I don't want this anymore. It's not who I am. And so I I just wrote down a couple of things. First, Jesus adores you independent of your behavior. 
He's crazy about you. Mm. And he will not leave. He will not forsake you. He will not play you. He will not mock you. He will not set you up. And this behavior that you're hiding, it doesn't define you. You're a brand new creature with no condemnation. Amen. And Jesus has seen it all before the world began. And he still thinks you might, just like John thought about himself, that you might be his favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And he will stand with you in the revealing of it. There's someone out there in your community, someone who loves you, who is waiting to love you in knowing the worst about you. And this is your time. This right now is your time to not be unknown anymore. You know who you are and you're saying, nobody knows me. You don't want to pass on, especially if you're a leader, a life of religious bluffing. And so this maybe is that time that that before the world began, he said, I'm going to have have you listen to this and actually believe that you could live such a way and that there's Mm -hmm. others doing it. And maybe you're first on the beach and you get to ask someone, can we live this way with each other so our lives can count so that we can create a community that is worth living in? That's so good. I, as you're talking, the, the scripture pops into my head of Romans, you know, the end of Romans 8, that there's nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of Christ. There's nothing that you have done. There's nothing that you have not done. There's nothing you have thought. Maybe something has happened to you that you didn't have control over, and you are living right. in shame about that. Right. We we know, and and we want to know. We want to hold that with you. Galatians 6, 2, we want to carry that burden with you. And and we want you to know there's somebody out there in your world, your community. You can email us even. We would love to hear your story. Discipleship at smallgroups.com. And, and I absolutely, and I same thing here. John and John Lynch speaks. I, I would be honored to hear that story. You know, Oliver, I talked to this uh, with you about this. I went from fifth grade all the way through the writing of our first book, True Face, without anyone ever knowing or hearing the horrible thing that happened to me in fifth grade. In the boxcar. That's right. So it's it's not just what I've done, but what's been done to me that I'm ashamed. I'm afraid. No control over it. Oh, that I'm going to lose my seat at the table that you're going to go away from if if you actually knew that about me. And it wasn't wasn't my fault. Those are the lies that we all continue to circle around our head and it forces us to put on a mask to be tough and to be resilient. And uh, that's not the way Jesus needs us or wants us to live. He's here to repair it and to hold it. Oh, I, th- I appreciate you sharing that story because I think it's a story. And I, if you haven't read John's book, my friends, you have to go read it. It mm-hmm. is a book I think that is going to give you great permission to feel and to think and to journey in your own spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, through the ups and the downs. There is nothing in this world that has happened or will happen that can separate you from Christ's love. There's a fear, especially for the leader. If I do this, I'm going to create a culture that is not competent, that's not on its game. And so just to think for a moment that if you create a fake masquerade culture, it's not getting anything real done. That efficiency, creativity, involvement, ownership grows in an environment of grace. And that's a powerful gift for a leader to know. 
that just goes to think you might have a successful ministry right now. I mean, we've seen a lot of huge churches thriving, but unfortunately, major ministry leaders have gone. They, they did not know. They were never in a space where they were able to be authentic and open about uh, what was going on. And instead, they continued to wear mask after mask after mask. And yeah. just think right now, if this is you. If you are in a spot right now where you know something is going on in your life, your ministry is thriving, Maybe your ministry is going to go even to the next level if you would get to a place of realizing the value and the benefit wow. of taking off the mask. I It'll think our culture. culture is starving for that. It'll change our world. It, it is yeah. that powerful and beautiful. All right, John, I want to I want to go into the, what we do sometimes with our guests. We like to just give them rapid fire. We thought you'd be a fun one to do this with. So I'm going to go ahead and just ask you a question and then just move to the next one. So you say whatever you want or whatever you don't want. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay. Let's do it. Bonus okay. Round. I'm in the bonus round. Okay. All right. You're in the bonus round. Finish this sentence for us, John. When we take off our mask, God. He smiles. He throws a fist pump. And then he steps in to protect us in our vulnerability and he frees us to love more and sin less. And he allows us to be trusted and he allows us then to model health to others. What are we going to feel when we take off a mask? Buyer's remorse. (laughs) For sure. For a moment, buyer's remorse. And then freedom, health, life. Being known, peace, the ability to be trusted. But but there will be this moment of growth. What am I doing? How might people react to such honest confession? They might react poorly. Look, not everyone can handle me. As I said, not a, no one at the DMV cares about my stuff. Not everyone needs to know the specifics of my stuff. But as we said before, there are those who have been waiting to know my stuff so that they can love me more. And they're there around you. And to find them and to affirm them and say, I need you is an incredible gift to them as well as you. What's the best thing I can do for someone who decides to share a burden with me? Draw closer. Offer your commitment. Keep reminding them who they are in Jesus and just stay. Protect them from those who don't have their best at heart. And and imagine with them who needs to be told now. And together consider the consequences. And then stand with them as they move into their authenticity. And one one more thing. Uh, Tell them your stuff is the greatest, it can't be one way, it can't be a Gnostic relationship. Tell them your stuff then, because you have someone now who is safe to be able to tell your stuff to. Mm, that's good, that's good. Who is Bill? Mm, gosh, he's Bill Throne, and he's my hero, he's my big brother, he's my pastor, he's one of my very best friends. He's the man who believed in me before I did. He's the man who helped me understand grace. Uh, And he's the very first person that I ever told that story of the boxcars back in fifth grade to. He was the first person, even though he was the most authoritative, influential person in my life, I knew he was the safest person in my life. 
What did Bill say to you on that day when you told him? He said, um, I'm so sorry. And I love you so much. And I will stand with you in walking through this. And then he said, uh, now we got to go back into the session. Uh, let's go. You're on. And I, I, I was so underwhelmed with his response. I thought, <laughs> wait, I've, I've hidden for 35, 40 years. He didn't leave. He didn't kick me under the table. I didn't leave my seat. I just thought I, I was expecting something more like, how dare you have hidden from us all these years? And, and there's none of that. There's never been any of that. And it, it was remarkable to me. And it freed me now. I tell that story everywhere I go because there's tens of thousands. When I go to men's conferences, they come out of the woodwork and said, and they say, me too, me too. So, yeah, that's, that's what Bill's done for me. And so what's the greatest lesson that you've learned from Bill? Maybe you've already answered that. I would say he taught me the only person I cannot protect is myself. And so I must trust the commitment of another. Hmm. And, that, 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 and then he was the one who taught me, and I still don't, he'll say, if I work only on my sin, not only to resolve, not only do I not resolve my sin, I won't learn how to love well. And if I allow myself to be loved, not only will I allow learn to love well, but I'll find myself sinning less. And that that has blown my mind. Who is the Metallic Wax band? Gosh, Metallic Wax. <laughs> Think of that. Not, not, not just Metallic, not just Wax, but Metallic Wax. We were a band. We were a band in uh, 1960. <laughs> One of the best bands, seriously, in the three-block area around the Three-block area. <laughs> we, we broke up so largely good. because of girls, friends, and uh, a general lack of talent. But not before we had played a, a birthday and several other events that we were fairly mediocre at. But I was the drummer and lead singer of that band. I'm holding out for a reunion. I'm holding out for a reunion uh, tour. <laughs> if, I, if I could find them, or if I could find all four, yes. Well, I uh, thank you for those answers. And I think oh, so much to learn from you in regards to your journey and with your relationship with Bill and just the wisdom you've offered us here about what is so critically important about moving the mask off of our faces, off of us and down on the table to let go of it. We really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation today. I feel like I have more questions I could ask you, but I'm just going to let you, What if you could give our listeners one final word, uh, does anything stir in your heart? Does anything come to your mind? Is You maybe want to leave us with just one final thing of encouragement. Yeah. There are those desperately waiting for you to own these truths, to believe who you are in Jesus. They are waiting for you to be authentic and real with them because they need someone to model it for them. They need you as a leader to be able to model it for them. And when you allow that, you get the best out of them. You get the very best of their person and they get the best of you. It starts mm -hmm. to feel, the environment starts to feel welcoming and safe. Not soft, but safe. And people, safe. Walk, people walking in say, I want this. I've waited all my lifetime for this. I knew Jesus was real. You guys just freaked me out. But when, when that happens, People come in and say, 
I don't have to look over my, over my shoulder. And that's when life starts to get traded with each other. That's when Christ in us begins to be manifest. I, I can't wait for your audience, the people listening, yeah. to be able to risk trying this on. So good. The, you know, the word you've said it a couple of times, even in this episode is safe. And it's really important for us to find those people in those places that are safe to expose and to process um, some of the things in life that have been very hard and shame ridden and causing deep insecurity. So safety, I love that you've used that word. I think it's so important. Uh, and John, I, I just, Cannot tell you how much I've appreciated just the chance to talk with you here and to connect with you. So thank you for being on the Transforming Discipleship Podcast. This episode's been brought to you by smallgroups.com. We're a ministry of Christianity today. We want to thank all the ministry leaders who've tuned into this episode. And if you have found this podcast to be helpful in your ministry, would you do us a favor and share it with colleagues or other ministry partners or maybe even people in your congregation? Uh, we also appreciate people giving us a vote on Apple I, on iTunes. That's always very helpful. Smallgroups.com is a place you need to subscribe today. We have all kinds of plans to meet your budget. This is going to give you access to hundreds of Bible studies. Indeed, there'll be even some on the topic of taking off the mask and being vulnerable and finding authentic community. Uh, there'll be tools to train your leaders, and we even have a new segment called Ask the Expert, which I'd encourage you to go check out. Um, and if you would like to hear more from John Lynch, you can easily get in touch with him on his website. You can find his teachings online. He's got some great teachings on YouTube. Um, and I encourage you to go pick up his most recent edition of On My Worst Day. Uh, you will not be uh, dissatisfied. You will indeed appreciate it much. You're a gifted communicator, John. Thank you so much for giving us a chance to learn about how God can work in our lives and help us remove the masks. Thanks, I wanted to say one more thing is- Yeah, go for it. I, I get interviewed a lot, but the questions that you asked and wove through allowed me to bring out the best of me. That, that, that was powerful, thanks. Thanks uh, <laughs> for that, I appreciate that and I uh, appreciate you. So until next time, my friends, God bless.